welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. And here we are, ladies and gentlemen, with the one and only Jerry Springer. Not at hey. the Coffee Parlor. Jerry! <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Jerry. Hi. <laughs> Whoops. I, can I see? Uh, there I am. Yeah. There he is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. He sounded so, so disappointed. Yeah, he showed up again. He <laughs> 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 keeps coming back. You know, how many years, how many years have we been doing this now? It's been over five, five. years. Yeah. yeah. Five years. Five Almost years. Six. One yeah. of the first. Yeah. Going through in the number six. And by the way, uh, I know our introduction says live folks, school coffee parlor and all that, but uh, everybody knows this. We're obviously in the middle of a pandemic. So we've been doing this since March, I guess, February, March. Yeah, from our homes. Virtually from our homes. And uh, it's actually worked very well. Better. It was We didn't know. And, and uh, I only speak for myself, but I look forward to these gatherings. We all can see each other. We do these on Facebook Live. So let's wave to the Facebook Live audience. We do have an audience of people who tell me I hear from, they look forward to this. Most people hear this uh, in the archive. And uh, by the way, so we're we're recording this on November 24th. It'll roll out a week from now or so. Uh, So we don't know tonight on November 24th. And yesterday is when Donald Trump told the GSA officer to go ahead and begin a transition. So we don't know a week from now where things will be. I assume where we'll be is farther, deeper into the transition, which is where we should be for a president-elect Joe Biden, vice president-elect Kamala Harris. I did want to touch on something. We have Jeremy Short coming up. He was on our show last week. Short and Company is the band. He's excellent uh, out of Morehead, Kentucky. And uh, he's going to do a song for us. We're going to be chatting with him in a few minutes. Jerry's going to give us his thought of the week. We so look forward to these. I tell Jerry this privately as well as on the air. They're very well thought out. They're wonderful. Uh, They are. But by the way, um, and and I mentioned a few episodes ago, I I was on for some years uh, a board of elections in Ohio. And there are counterparts of people like me. And in my in Ohio of the 88 counties, there are elected two Democrats, two Republicans who oversee at, at a county level. So where you can really get your eyes on stuff and and guarantee everything's proper uh, overseeing that. So when Trump says elections are being stolen, then I'm going to cut to it. He's saying this about black cities. He says mm-hmm. it about Atlanta, yeah. Detroit, Philadelphia. Exactly right. He only mm-hmm. says yeah. it about black cities. Mm-hmm. So, but here's the thing I wanted to touch on, and I know this a little bit from uh, my experiences as, as a board of election member. He's made a big deal, Jerry, out of the f- claiming that in the midst of a pandemic, pandemic, that uh, many states, and some states do this all the time where you do mail-in ballots. Sure. Or you, you can vote at home. Oregon, say to Washington, do it. You just do it at home. And they're not the only ones. Some of them are Republican states where you can, you know, sort of no penalty, request an absentee ballot. Uh, you fill it out. You sign your name, you know, on the return address. You sign all this stuff and you send it back. Donald Trump is claiming 
that by the thousands, these are forged signatures. And what he's saying, because he's a racist, is that black people in cities are, I don't know, paying people to give them a ballot they're not going to use and then taking them home. And Jerry, you've been involved in many campaigns, almost all of them highly successful. I've worked in your campaigns. I know exactly how campaigning works. He is alleging that there are people like me on behalf of candidates like you who are sitting in a room with a stack of uh, ballots that they got illegally from because they're not the voter and that they're sitting there filling them out and then signing the signature that was on the address of the envelope so they get the name right. Yeah. And he's saying, you know, well, that can be proved because they're not letting our observers in there to look at every signature of a mail-in ballot and compare it to the signature on record. So here's a piece of information I wanted to give out. My damn signature has changed quite a bit in my life. Because <laughs> frankly, I got yeah. lazy. And I heard all this joke about, well, sign it like a doctor. You know, they sign all these prescriptions. And it's just yeah. a scribble. Donald Trump's signature is not discernible. I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it in, you know, yeah. uh, pictures of it. It doesn't say Donald J. Trump. It's a bunch of mountains. He's got this it's weird just, signature yeah. where it's up and down. Yeah. Up and down. It's, some, it's some stylized, affected, bullshit signature. <laughs> when I signed my forms, when I signed my forms originally, I wrote differently than I do today. And so when, so here's the point. When you ask a board of elections member like me, to sit down in a crucial election and play handwriting expert analyst, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. That is ridiculous. Because I could sit there as Gene Galvin, the lifetime educator, who was also a member of the Board of Elections in Claremont County, Ohio, and you're going to ask me to look at these two signatures and say, that one's fraudulent. And a person like me, a voter, would come in and say, you better not call me a criminal because that isn't fraudulent. That's my signature. Well, it's not the right. same as this one here. That's because I don't know. I never felt that I was going to be sent to jail because of my damn signature. I made it easier right. and quicker to write it. So I want people listening to this to know that when he makes these accusations, it is not that people in black cities like Philadelphia, Detroit, and Atlanta are, are illegals, are criminals. Yep. It's because he's a racist. Exactly. He's trying to make up some exactly BS right. to win yeah. an election. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, that's, those are the only areas he's asking for to look at the ballots. That's it. I mean, yeah. it's it's so blatant. It's 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 unbelievable. But he, you know, that, that's not a shock to anybody. It's, but it's, it's fairness, not unbelievable anymore. It's not in unbelievable fairness. The Republican Party has been doing that for about the last 30, 40 years, trying to put up yeah. roadblocks well, different kind of roadblocks. Back in the old days, they uh, Jim Crow days, uh, you know, they would have the literacy test to keep blacks from voting. 
But now yeah. they say, uh, you yeah. better not, because if you have any tickets, the cops are going to be there. They're going to grab you as you're coming in. They, they do all things to frighten people away from voting in the black community. So and, and he's just, you know, he's the carrier of this. It's very easy for him to follow these uh, racist attitudes and, and procedures because it's comfortable for him. He did that as a, as a landlord when the, uh, oh. the properties he owned where blacks weren't permitted um, to, to rent from his buildings. So it, it's, yeah, but it, it's just so blatant and, and so absurd because Gene, as you have said on prior occasions, in each of these uh, precincts, in every precinct in America, where you have, you have two Republicans and two Democrats sitting there counting the ballots. Two and I will tell you, Democrats. because I've done it, we are not in the other room drinking Cokes and smoking cigarettes. We are there. I did it. We yeah. took it seriously. We were not the ones saying Donald Trump, this stack, Joe Biden, this stack. But we were there actively assuring that. And by the way, it's better than that. Every worker or volunteer on election day is split between the two parties. Right. So when he says that something's fraudulent, he's talking about his own Republican party who was in on, who were in on it. Yeah. Is he claiming that's right? That's exactly right. It's absurd. <laughs> and it's, and there is a counterpart to what I'm describing. I'm describing Ohio, which is a big ass state. You know, that's one of the best, yeah. biggest, baddest political states in America. I'm not talking about, Alaska, where there are, you know, 600,000 people total, but it's the counterpart exists to that everywhere. Now, what, while we're uh, on such a serious note, I apologize for this. I want to also announce, and, and I haven't told you, Jerry, or David Proust or Megan Hills or anybody else or our families, but I have uh, just yesterday by certified mail. Megan, that's not just put it in the mailbox. You, you know what I'm saying? A certified mail. What I had coming? to sign, sign this. And I sent <laughs> packets. And Megan, I'm going to call them legal packets, not postcards <laughs> or letters. Not I'm at my desk. I'm not talking about some bullcrap thing like just some envelope. You know, you pull out of here. I cut that from Kmart or something. Kmart. Yes. <laughs> 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 or target yeah. you are in touch sir. Or, you are or, just in touch or or, or king quick no yeah. i didn't <laughs> i sent these certified mail and i'm going to tell you megan i sent them to the cdc no idea what that is but i sent it to the cdc <laughs> i sent it to the f the fda and i even sent it just sent one just to be safe to the NRA. <laughs> what I said. What are you talking about? <laughs> I sent legal requests. Oh, Jesus. Actually dictates. I, it was actually a little aggressive. It sounded more like a demand. That the staff and families of the Jerry Springer podcast... <laughs> be labeled as essential workers and be moved to the front of the line for vaccinations. Let me know that how that goes, we, Gene. Let me know. <laughs> well, Gene. That we will be vaccinated, Jerry. 
Sadly, I even said we want to be able to pick the drug company, the, the particular <laughs> pharmaceutical entity, because I'd like one dose to be from Pfizer and one, the second shot in my arm. I'm doing my left arm, Megan, because yeah. I'm right handed because I know it's going to be a boo-boo. It's going to be a hurt, a hurt, a hurt on my left arm. Hey, Megan, can I get the, <laughs> hey, Megan, hey, Megan, can I get the, the boo-boo bunny out of the refrigerator? Yeah. Oh, my God. You're on my arm. But anyway, I want one shot from Pfizer. I hate you so much. <laughs> And one from Moderno or whatever it's called, or Sterno, whatever the hell it is. Sterno. Yeah. No, but I am. I'm getting us, uh, uh, getting us moved to the front of the line. Well, we are in the front of the line. We're you we're, two are. <laughs> yeah, you're 65 and older. We're 75 and older. We are. We may be the first people in the country to no, get I'm screwed. Them. I'm completely screwed. Yeah. <laughs> front of the line. Oh my God! Hey, let me let me ask you something, Jerry and Megan. Yeah. Do you intend to get the shots uh, as soon as you're in the right category to get it? Or are you going to? Yeah. Are, or are you uh, anti-vax people? Are you no. an anti-vax person? No. As long as I, like I get the boo-boo money or the candy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. Get you guys some uh, special <laughs> band-aids. We can put yeah, little yeah, band-aids on. Red oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, getting no, it. absolutely getting it right no as question. soon as I can. Yep. In fact, probably my job uh, will require it, probably. Yeah. I mean, NBC is probably yeah. going to say you got to get it if you're going to come back in the studio. There's something oh. I want to ask you, and this is a serious question. I want to see if, M if NBC, and I'm worried the answer to this is going to be yes. Well, you will, because of the, your age category, you will be up and toward the front. Will a, let's say a, a camera woman or a cameraman who's 40 years old, will they somehow pay off somebody to get it, you know, before a teacher or a firefighter? No, I, I honestly don't. I mean, I may be naive. I don't think that's going on. Um, yeah. I mean, if it's going on, it's going on at a very high level where politically the industry decided they will. I'm sure the politicians got involved and said, we got to give it to first responders first. In other words, I, I don't think it's like if you know someone. Yeah, maybe if there's a doctor in your family and that doctor is involved yeah. in giving shots, I could see some of that going on. But it's not going to be widespread. I yeah. think I think everyone's on board on this. It's a sensible, you know, the list they're coming up with is pretty sensible. Yeah. Where there may have been a little stretch is I noticed, because I have to, uh, when I'm taping Judge Jerry, I fly up to Connecticut. Yeah. And when you land in New York, uh, you have to be quarantined. If you're coming from Florida, you have to be quarantined for Whoa. two weeks. Really? Now, yes, but if you stay in New York, and I have a letter saying that, I'm going on, which is true. I'm going on to Connecticut and I stay in Connecticut. So you have uh, a pass. And I get, I get yeah, a test. I get a test <laughs> twice a week when I'm there. But in mm. that letter, I am that the formal letter they give me, I am referred to as essential. On what you. planet? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I mean, look, I love you to pieces, Chair, but <laughs> there, must, there must be some category under this essential workers kind of thing, unless, I mean, I, you know, and I'm asked them, I said, what, you know, because I laugh like you do. Well, what do you mean I'm yeah. essential? Well, apparently that is a category where certain jobs that are in the public, yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure if, uh, you know, a, a news anchor on NBC or CBS or ABC, uh, you know, they probably get the same, you know, they got to be yeah. on the news that night. It, it's I don't that. think it's that, by the way, during the war, uh, during wars, uh, yeah. it's the whole Bob Hope thing. There were plenty of people who were entertainers, who were yeah. dancers and singers and trombone yeah. players. And they never picked up a rifle and fought, but they were respected. Yeah, maybe, so maybe maybe there could be a little more respect coming my way now knowing <laughs> that I have been officially designated as essential. So, yes. Megan? Uh, uh-huh. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is there well, a way to get that you. smirk off your face? <laughs> <laughs> because I'm Once an essential my... worker. I'm a morale booster. <laughs> <laughs> Once my legal documents get through to the CDC, the FDA, and the NRA, (laughs) we're all I just sent that, Megan, because I thought, what the hell? I had a third stamp. I had a third stamp. I thought, well, what the hell? Throw the NRA in there. Because to to be honest, I have no idea what NRA stands for. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Anyway. Hey. Hey Jerry, yeah, you really yes. Jerry, um, yes, you've been. We always brag about these. Your thoughts of the week, well, well thought out. Uh, you think of stuff we don't think of. What have you? What has struck you this week about events in the world, and what can you tell us? Well, uh, despite the chaos of this transition, the inexcusable harm that Trump has done to our country indeed to our democracy, on January 20th, here's the good news, we will have Joe Biden as our new president. Thank God. But that's not to say that Trump won't do everything he can before the door hits him on the way out to protect his criminal enterprise. That is to say, to protect its participants from criminal prosecution. His one remaining weapon in his ever-depleted arsenal is, of course, the pardon. The Constitution gives him almost unconditional power to use it. I say almost because there are some limitations, such as he can only pardon for federal crimes. So for all the state prosecutions he and his people, including his kids, may and probably will face, there is no pardon for them. Then there is the issue that even though the president has the unfettered power to pardon for federal crimes, a legal power cannot be used for an illegal purpose. In other words, you can't induce someone to lie to a grand jury or federal prosecutors on the promise of then receiving a presidential pardon. So that might limit who Trump can uh, pardon. Now, but then of course, there's the most unsettling issue of all. The issue that Trump has raised with his staff and legal advisors, and that is, Can he pardon himself? The Constitution is silent on that question. 
and neither is there any case law on the matter. So if he dares to try that, which of course you can never rule out with this guy, not only would that be a final nail in his political coffin, an undeniable admission that he's a crook, but it would immediately be tested in court. In other words, if prosecutors have a case against him, they would bring it. And the courts then, all the way up to the Supreme Court if necessary, would have to rule on the question of whether his self-pardon is valid. That's how it gets before the courts. Now, though it's never wise to bet a lot of money on what the court will do, on this question, the bet is, pretty, is a pretty safe one. The whole principle upon which our nation was founded, indeed the singular purpose of our Declaration of Independence, was to break away from the shackles of a monarchy, of a king, that we will be a nation of laws, and no one, repeat, no one will be above them. The rationale is obvious. To permit a president to pardon himself would mean that he could commit any crime, from killing his opponents, to stealing, to acts of treason. He could do anything he wanted and then simply pardon himself, thereby avoiding any punishment or personal consequence. The absurdity of permitting a president to pardon him or herself is to rip up the Constitution and formally replace our democracy with a dictatorship. No court, even a Trump-appointed one, would ever permit that. So a pardon won't be a cure-all for Trump or his family. But let's not kid ourselves. From the moment Biden takes office, he, Biden, will be faced with a decision no one will let him avoid. And that is, what do I do about Trump? In August of 1974, when Nixon was forced to resign as a result of the Watergate scandal and Vice President Gerald Ford was sworn in, he, Ford, addressed the nation, which had just gone through two years of partisan vitriol, turmoil, and political shock. He famously said, our long national nightmare is over. At the moment, that was more a hope than a reality. For crimes admittedly far less significant than what Trump has visited upon us, a large majority of the country back then and still wanted Nixon's scalp. No one's above the law was the cry of the American people, widely enhanced by columnists and pundits everywhere. And yet, as it is now with Trump, there were those who still defended Nixon. So Ford, who hadn't even been elected vice president, he was appointed to replace Vice President Agnew, who a few months earlier had to resign amid scandal of his own. Ford, now trying to calm a nation in chaos, decided a month later to pardon Richard Nixon of all crimes, believing that the nation would be better served by putting this whole Watergate business behind us. And he didn't want his presidency distracted and consumed by the continuing drama of what did Nixon know, when did he know it, and should he be jailed? Well, as we now know, despite all that bitterness, Ford made the right decision, though few doubt that it cost him the election two years later against Jimmy Carter. What Ford did was a profile in courage, but the voters took it out on him. It wasn't just vengeance, people wanted consequences for a president's criminal behavior. Of course, 
no matter how outraged we were by Nixon, his crimes pale in comparison to what Trump has done and continues to do. So Biden is now faced with a profound dilemma. On the one hand, after living through these four years of public hell and chaos brought about by Trump's relentless assault on America, how can we turn the other cheek? How can we set the precedent that a president is above the law, that he can do anything he wants, and there'll never be a consequence? So, of course, he can't pardon him. But if he goes, if Biden goes after him, if he instructs his administration to make Trump pay for his crimes, that sets a bad precedence as well. You don't want to establish the tradition that whoever wins the election can then go after his opponent with prosecutions and jail. This is what third world countries do, what dictatorships do. We'd be undercutting the very basic premise of a democracy, that after the people vote, there is the peaceful transfer of power. No coups, no, to uh, no uh, violence, and no retribution. So you can see either way Biden goes, there is the danger of setting a bad precedent. But I do believe there's a middle ground here. It's the hands-off approach. If prosecutors around the country believe they have evidence of Trump or his family's illegal behavior, let, them that, let that then be their decision, their decision whether or not to move forward. And if they can prove their case in court, which will always be difficult because criminal trials require a unanimous verdict and there's always bound to be at least one Trumpian on the jury, well, so be it. That is solely to be the decision of the prosecutors. Biden, unlike Trump, won't be pulling the strings. He'll respect the justice system by keeping his hands off. Let's face it, Trump and Attorney General Barr have poisoned the norms of American justice. It might take years to restore its integrity. If that process is to begin, let any indictments that come Trump's way have Biden's fingerprints nowhere on them. Good job, Jerry. Very nice, Jerry. Very nice. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And as we talked about earlier, we have back with us this evening, Jeremy Short. Welcome back, Jeremy. Hey, Jeremy. Hey. Hello, hello. Good to hear you back again tonight. I'm very, I want to hear about this song, Full-Bodied Redhead. Let's talk about this. Oh, well, uh, in the video that we're about to pull up here, I, I tell the story a little bit, but I'll, I'll talk about it here, too, as well. Uh, I, I mentioned I mentioned prior that I had uh, competed in the International Blues Challenge in Memphis, Tennessee, yeah. which is uh, a yearly thing. And I'm not sure what they plan on doing this year. I haven't actually heard about it as far as that goes. It's coming up this January. And, uh, and it's, you know, there's no, really no way with current guidelines that they can do it. But uh so I was doing that one year, and the way it's set up is it's on a street in Memphis called Beale Street. And if you're familiar mm -hmm. with music history, that's yeah. that's a big one. That's a pretty big one. That go that rabbit hole's pretty yep. deep. A lot of a lot of history there, a lot of musical, very important musical history happened on that street and in that town in general. And uh so you know, you compete in the competition, and then in the nighttime, you're just hanging out in the clubs and going and jamming and all these different places. There's a lot of open jams on the street happening. And I'm jamming one night nice. in a place called Club Handy after a musician, W.C. Handy, who they refer to as the father of the 
modern father of the blues. First got to write down blues music nice. on paper or what have you. And I'm j- jamming in club handy and I'm sitting down. I've got my guitar and I go to go from a sitting to a standing position and I'm holding my guitar as I'm doing it. And I smack myself dead in the mouth with my guitar and I chip the tooth, you know, <laughs> oh, and, and I'm still, and it's still chipped, still got a good chip on it. You know, <laughs> but as, far, as far as I know, the tooth is still on the floor somewhere there. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, I wrote a song about it. So and that, that, that's kind of, kind of where that song goes. Yeah. Uh, well, don't hurt yourself singing it. Uh, <laughs> what's the name of the song again? A full-bodied redhead. Full-bodied redhead. A full-bodied redhead. That's right. That's right. It's about if the guitar, you, big if, red guitar. Oh, oh <laughs> because Jeremy, what I'm saying to you, if you would turn your face upside down, you'd be a redhead. I get it. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, think, you know, I was worried about my hair dye to, running, actually, before all this. <laughs> oh, hey, <laughs> oh, hey. We'll turn his mic off now. We're done with that. <laughs> <laughs> Major point. It was very, very well spread. Yeah. Well, yeah, but it doesn't make sense if people aren't watching because they don't realize he has a red beard. Uh, goatee, a red beard. And he's bald <laughs> on top. So if you turn the page, you know, explaining a joke never works. <laughs> never works. And if you have to explain it, then there's a problem. <laughs> we are going to be saved by listening to you sing it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Leave your head, Jer. This is uh, Jeremy Short, <laughs> full body redhead. This is the song I was jamming at Club Handy on Bill Street, and I was uh, sitting down with my guitar and went to stand up, smacked myself dead in the mouth with my guitar and chipped out a little piece of my tooth. If you zoom in on it real good, you might be able to see it there, but uh, got a cool little song about it. (laughs) This one called Full Bodied Redhead. Behind good men, that ain't woman she does stand. Might I wear strapped round my front and I play with my hands? I made mistakes, left marks and scars on the surface of a shine. Little reminders that I wish weren't the fault of my full body bandit with a temper you expect.
Thank you all so much. Thank oh, you all so much. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to Diddy TV, the network that that aired on, the streaming network. Nice. And uh, Robin Bender, they're real cool people. They do a lot of good stuff for a lot of good people. Thank them so much. Diddy TV. That is a fun song. I love that. It's song. Um, yeah, thank you all. Hey, by the way. Thank you all so much. You know, when we, when we started this show, thought of this show uh, six years ago or thereabouts, uh, Jerry, you may recall, we're sitting in New York at a uh, cigar bar or something. And when this whole thing all kind of rolled out yeah. into our heads and we said, you know, we'll name it Tales, Tunes and Tomfoolery. And the tunes, Jeremy, would be a lot of it, uh, all original song, uh, up and coming singer songwriters, yeah. original music. And we thought largely folk because Jerry and I, when we were in college and shortly after did a little folk music. That was part of that folk Love explosion it. of the 60s, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Pete Seeger, the Weavers, Joan Baez, blah, blah, blah. Yes, Dylan. sir. Yes, sir. And blah, then, blah, blah. and we thought, you know, yeah. yeah, and then Americana, well, I don't know, we might do a little rock and roll now and then, but we also thought the blues, we, we wanted yeah. the blues to be part of this, and we're very happy that you're a blues singer that's been on the show. I want to ask you something real fast. There's a, a young woman, she's been our, on our show a couple times. And she's probably now, I don't know, 18, 19 years old from Union, Kentucky, named a blues singer. Very unique because she's so young getting into this. I guess the influences of her mom and dad, Aaron Coburn. Do you know of Aaron yes. Coburn? Yes, I know of Aaron Coburn. And, and is, she, Absolutely. is she rising up, would you say? How's she doing? I haven't talked to her lately. I think so. I haven't spoken to her, but... Uh... Absolutely. I would say she's somebody to look out for. All right. And, and so just I just mentioned that Aaron, I think it's E-R-I-N and then Coburn, C-O. That's right. C-O-U-B-U-R-N. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, uh, just a uh, mention of her. Go ahead, Megan. Sorry. Well, thank you for sharing some time with us tonight, Jeremy. Like this, that is a lot of fun. That was a really fun song. I really enjoyed it. That was full. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm privileged. I'm privileged to be here. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And he's going to take us out on Down by the Riverside, where he sang with 
Jerry Springer. I'm going to let down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm going to let down my heavy load Down by the riverside And study the war no more I ain't going to study the war no more I ain't going to study the war no more I ain't going to study the war